So if you'd like to join us uh, for our whole service via Zoom, then email us at info at city-temple.com. And then please let me know when we are ready to go online. But meanwhile, I'd like to welcome all you to Chelsea Community Church. Um, today is an exciting day, a blessed day. I think every day is a blessed day if, we, if God's given us a new day. It's, it's, sometimes we take it for granted, but God is good. He's always good. I like um, what someone said. You know, God is God and he's on the throne. And that makes a big difference in our lives. Just let me know, are we, are we ready? Perfect. So, um, this, this week's um, message, it's, uh, I titled it God's Instrument, and we're going to read two Bible verses. First, we are going to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the whole chapter. Brothers, um, I could not address you as a spiritual, but as worldly, mere in infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere men? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere men? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither is he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each one will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow uh, workers, you are God's field, God's building. By the grace of God, has, by, uh, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful not to build. Uh, sorry, each one should be careful how he builds. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man Built on his own foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring, bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burnt up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are the temple. Do not deceive yourself. If any one of you thinks he is wise by the standards of this age, he should become a fool so that he may become wise. For, it is, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness in God's sight, as it is written. He catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the thoughts of the wise are futile. So then, no more boasting about men. All things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or the present or the future are all yours. 
and you are of Christ, and Christ is of God. Now we're going to read John chapter 4, verses 1 to 42. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now, he had, he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sikar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but the Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet, a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is a spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, Could someone have brought him food? My food, Jesus said, it is to do the will of him who sent me 
and to finish his work. Do you not say four months more and then the harvest? I'll tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the reaper draws his wages. Even now, the harvest, he harvests the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus this saying, one who sows and another reaps is true. I send you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his work, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. May the Lord bless his word. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your presence in us. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord. Father, I pray that as we um, hear your word this morning, Lord, may your word become that seed into our hearts, Lord. May we um, open our ears to listen to you, open our hearts to receive from you, Lord. Father, take away anything that might distract us from receiving your word. Father, we want to focus on your will for our lives, Father. We want to focus on your will for the church. We want to focus on your will for our families, Lord. Father, we surrender all of our um, tribulations and all of our things before you, Lord. We surrender our lives before you in your altar, Lord. And we pray that today, Father, you will speak into our hearts and that you will give us the word that we need for this week, Father, for our lives, so that we can be uh, co-workers with you, so that we can grow, so that we can mature and be like Christ, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Okay. So I'm going to start with, with a story that I, I, it's, it's, it's quite fun, interesting, but it just illustrates what the point that the Lord spoke to me to, to share with you. It's called a carpenter's, uh, in a carpenter's workshop. A, carp in a carpenter's tools were having a conference. Brother Hammer was presiding, but the others informed him that he'd, be, that he'd have to leave because he was too noisy. All right, he said, I'll go, but Brother Plain must withdraw, withdraw too. There's no deep depth to his work. It's, it's, always, it's always on the, on the, sorry, on the surface. Brother Plain responded, well, Brother Rule, uh, well, Brother Rule will also have to go too. He's constantly measuring people as if he were the only one who's right. Brother Rule then complained about Brother Sandpaper saying, he's rougher than he ought to be. He's very abrasive and he's always rubbing people the wrong way. Brother Sandpaper was annoyed by Brother Saw, claiming that he had a very sharp and cutting personality. Brother Saw leveled his criticisms at Brother Level, saying that he always tends to blame others for being crook and unbalanced. Brother Level had a major problem with Brother Handfield, accusing him of coming along and sticking his long penetrating nose, uh, uh, nose into other people's business. And wouldn't you know it, Brother Handrill was really bothered by Brother Clam because Brother Clam always seemed so uptight and never seemed relaxed. In the midst of this bitter discussion, the carpenter of Nazareth walked in. 
he spoke sternly to all the schools, rebuked them, and told them to hold their peace. He shared with them that every one of them had a purpose, and they were all uniquely made to fulfill that purpose. He told them that every one of them was important and had a special job to do. The carpenter told them that he needed every one of them in order to do his work. He then went to his workbench to make a pulpit from which to preach the gospel. He used the hammer, the plane, the rule, the sandpaper, the saw, the level, the hand drill, and the clamp. No one tool was untouched or unused. After the pulpit was finished, Brother Rule rose and said, I see now that all of us are laborers together with God. And I really like this story because the, the way I remember this story was uh, during a difficult time in my life where I, I found myself being the nail uh, and someone else was the hammer and, and my life. And I was thinking, you know, why is this happening? You know, if he's my brother in Christ, why is he hitting me? As, as you know, as I'm, I'm, I'm using the metaphor of him being the um, hammer and me being the nail. And I really couldn't understand because I, I found it very difficult that, you know, as brothers and sisters in Christ, there will be this fight or these problems among the two of us. And then when I, uh, I it wasn't this exact story, the one that I read, but it, it just made sense that sometimes God is also doing something in our lives, even though it hurts. In my case, I was the one getting hit, so it hurt me. Maybe in his case, he was doing the hitting, so it didn't hurt him. But in my case, I was, you know, I felt that I was the one that was suffering. But then I understood, you know, God is doing something. And even though we don't understand him at, at the time, God has a purpose in our life. And here, when we, when we look at this, both these scriptures, one of the things that we see a lot is uh, reaping and sowing. But the most important one of them is that God gives the growth. And I think sometimes... We, well, the first thing I want to share with you is the importance of growing. It's, it's time for us to grow. And unlike human growth, you know, human growth kind of happens. You have a baby, and the baby just grows. You don't have to tell the baby, you have to grow, you have to learn to eat, you have to learn to walk, or you have to learn to crawl, and you have to learn to walk. It just happens, it's gradually. It's not something that you have to consciously do. But for us as Christians, our maturity in Christ is something that we need to um, be aware. It's something that we need uh, kind of to, 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 make, to make a point that we need to grow, that I need to grow. And different from, you know, children, maturity in Christ does not depend on our age. Because I think a mature Christian could be someone young, and you can have a, a, a baby, a spiritual Christian who's, you know, uh, older in, in age, but immature in Christ. It really is, our, our maturity in Christ is something that has to be intentional, that I need to know, okay, Lord, I can't be the same Christian I was a year ago, and definitely I cannot be the same Christian I was 10 years ago. Because if I struggle with the same issues I was struggling 10 years ago, then something has not happened in my life that needs to happen now. And now I need to be intentional about growing. For the Corinthians, they, they were going through a time where they were arguing. They were arguing who do they belong to. They were identifying with, with human men. No, I belong to Apollos. 
and maybe the Bible doesn't tell us, but that probably meant because Apollo said we have to do things in this way, that's how I'm going to do. Or the other one, no, I belong to Paul. And because Paul would teach things in a certain way, this is the way we need to do. And at the end of the day, there was a struggle between them. They weren't working together because they were identifying with the wrong person. At the end of the day, we all belong to Christ. And, and when we understand that, then things definitely change. Because then we understand, you know, the, the one thing I think sometimes we forget is that it is Christ who gave his life for us. It wasn't Apollos, it wasn't Paul. Even though there is something important that you do, that we each give, whether you sow. So when, we, when we're talking about sowing, you know, it's not just you just go and, and, and sow the seed. To sow, to actually sow uh, on, on the ground, you have to work the ground. So th that's what the Bible also talks about, the workers that have come before us, which we're going to see later. So the, for the Corinthians, it was jealousy, it was a strife or quarreling. Maybe for us, it may be anger, impatience, maybe the need to please others, maybe hate, bitterness, unforgiveness, just to name a few. We know what we're struggling with. We know the things that we need to um, grow in maturity. Today, we need to ask the Holy Spirit, what areas do I need to grow? What are the areas, Lord, that you, that maybe are holding me back? You know, I think we all want to serve the Lord. I think that if you're a Christian and if you have understood, understood your calling in Christ, I think you know that you want to serve God, right? Maybe in different ways. I know, I know that for some people serving God, you want to be in ministry. But some, for some other people, I also know that to serve God, they want to be at the back when no one sees them. They want to be helping maybe clearing things out. They want to, you know, help moving things around. Or they might want to help, you know, being behind the scenes so that they're not seen in the front. For some people, they, that's what they want to do. And that's great because we need that. But for other people, they want to serve maybe in the worship. They might want to serve in, in the sound system. They might want to serve with the children. They might want to serve with the youth. They might want to serve going out and doing something for the community. And that's all great. It doesn't mean that one work is better than the other. That's what the Bible tells us. That's what God tells us. All the work, we are co-laborers with God. So we need to know, Lord, Holy Spirit, show us what area we need to mature. But if you're sitting today here saying, I have nothing that I need to mature. I'm perfect. I have no issues, then maybe pride is one thing that you need to mature, <laughs> because it's true. Like, remember, I think, was it last week we, we were talking, or someone said it, pride is like bad breath. Everybody around you knows it, except you. So, you know, if you're, if you're right now saying, actually, I'm quite good, I, I have nothing that I need to change, then just check on pride. Second thing, lay down, let's lay down um, our flesh and its desires. This is the struggle that we are constantly having between the flesh and the spirit. And, as, and, and the moment you become a, a Christian, that will be the struggle for the rest of your life. Um, and it's because this flesh is still alive. And this flesh wants to do things on its way, the way that maybe it's always been used to working and dealing. You know, uh, each person was created differently, and that also includes our um, personality. There are things that you have 
that no one could have taught you. For example, uh, you know, I remember as a, as a little child, I always wanted to, to, to uh, what would be the best word to describe myself? Like if we were doing um, a presentation, I didn't want to be at the back, I wanted to be at the front. I wanted to be, you know, and if people were pushing in front of me, then I would push in front of them so I can be seen. But that's just something that was in me. No one, no one told me, my mom or my dad never said, you know, make sure that you're at the front, make sure that I can see you. It was just something that was inside of me. But there was also the people who just want to be at the back. Like if they push them at the front, they'll move at the back so that they can be hiding maybe behind the tallest person. And that's okay. That's okay because that's just how you are. That's your personality. That's a gift that God gave you. It's that, you know, there's nothing wrong with either one of them. God needs us all. We can all be at the front and we can't all be at the back. We need to be everywhere. But, you know, these are the, the things that may be positive or negative that are in you that might need to change. A, a negative thing that I can share with you on that is that I always, there was this thing in me that I always thought, how can I get advantage of situations? And that might be a good thing, but also a bad thing. Because it was, it was that, uh, you know, how can I get, take an advantage of a situation? Might be a good thing in the Lord. But it might be a good thing if, if I'm using it in a, in a bad way, you know, like maybe taking advantage of people. You know, that, that wasn't right. And that was something that God needed to deal with in my life. So I'm just giving you my examples because there may be things that you need to check in the way God made you and maybe the things that the world has brought in your heart that you need to think, okay, maybe these are the things that God needs to work in my life. And that, like I said, the fleshly desires, the fleshly things that our flesh wants to do. There are things that sometimes you want to do that you think, why do I have these desires? That has to do maybe with, um, with past with, with your past generational sins from your grandparents or, or great-grandparents that just kind of want to draw you to those things. Like, for example, you, you know, your parents never drank, you don't drink, but all of a sudden you have this desire to drink alcohol, like, you know, something you really wanted. And you're thinking, but why do I have this desire to do this? And it may be things from the past that you need to lay down before the Lord and say, Lord, take away this, and I break every bondage from the past, from my, fa from my family, my past generation. Well, whilst we're here on earth, we are fighting, but we are fighting a good fight. We are fighting a fight with God's weapons, and, we, and God never loses. He always wins. So we need to see what are the things that I might need to lay down. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 uh, to verse 21, that the, the, it says, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warn you, as, may, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. These are just some of the things that we might be struggling with. But how, how do we battle, how do we win this battle? It's by walking in the spirit and crucifying the flesh. The Holy Spirit guides us to all truth. He never leaves us alone in this battle. He's always by our side. And because he's by our side, we are more than conquerors. 
Walking in the Spirit is seen by the fruits of the Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And self-control, I think, is one of the big ones for me. I think that's the one that I still need to always constantly and consciously do, to have self-control. Because it's so easy, again, to just revert to those old patterns and behaviors of the flesh. But, you know, for us to belong to Christ, we have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's what the Bible tells us in, in Galatians, in, in chapter 5, verse 24. We have, we can win this battle, but not on our own. We can win this battle with the help of the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit. The third thing we see, we need to acknowledge that you are God's instrument. And this is, this is something that's very important because one of the things the enemy does in our lives, so God made you unique and special and important. That is who you are. That is what God made you. But what does the enemy do? You don't come from the right family. You don't have the right uh, hair color. You don't have the right hair, uh, sorry, you don't have the right skin color. You don't have the right education. You don't have, uh, you don't speak properly, so you're not right on, on that area. You can, so God can use you. That the enemy is constantly throwing and bombarding all of these things that makes us feel inadequate, that makes us feel that we, we can't do it. Maybe someone else can do it, but not me. God can use this person, but he can't use me. And that is a lie. And you need to believe what God has called you. And, and, you know, it's so important to understand and to accept the way God created us, the family God gave us, the, the nationality where we come from, the country where he has brought us. When we begin to understand that all of this, is, it was done on God's purpose and it was part of God's um, promises for our lives, then you begin to understand, okay, God, for example, I love the United Kingdom. I am not from the United Kingdom. I'm from Ecuador. That's my country of birth. But in my heart and maybe in my spirit, I love the United Kingdom. Whenever I'm away, I, I miss, I don't miss Ecuador. I miss being in London. I, I understood that this is where God wants me to be, where he's called me to be. And, and this is my mission field. Now, if God wants to send me to Hawaii, I'll say, okay, Lord, send me to Hawaii. If the Lord wants to send me to a nice warm country, I'll say, okay, Lord. I'm joking, by the way. <laughs> you know, I know, I, I really, I mean it. If God wants to send me to another country, okay, Lord, because I understand that that's on his purpose. But uh, for the time being, I know that this is where God wants me to be. Now, you are here. This is a place where God wants you to use, where God wants to use you now. I don't know in, in a year's time, in two years, in five or ten, but at least now. And when we understand that, when we understand that we are God's instruments, so you know the story that I told you at the beginning? They're all different instruments. They all work for different things. The same way the Bible tells us that we are God's building. We are God's <coughs> temple. Uh, we are God's, uh, we are, we are co-workers with God. We are laborers with him. In the same way, we are all important. We are all part of this wonderful work that he's doing in these times, in this nation, and in the world. I can guarantee you, because you are unique, 
there's no two people like you. Even if I were to ask two identical twins to come to the front, they'll be, maybe physically they might look the same, but they'll have two different personalities. They'll have two different ways of seeing the world, of, of doing things, or, or two different ways of, of being themselves. Because God never made us to be the same. God doesn't want us to be the same. It would be so boring if we were all the same. Thankfully, you know, God made, made a vari variety of us. And you need to understand that you are God's masterpiece. There's no other person like you. And when you accept you, because God made you, there'll be such a change in your life. It really, you will really see a big difference. When you accept you, something in your life will change. When you accept that this is how God wants me, this is how God made me, and God doesn't make a mistake. I know there are some things that maybe you're struggling with, but go back to the word of God. God will speak to you, and God will show you, and he will speak clearly something that you say, okay, God, I understand this. This is me, and, and you love me, and you accept me, therefore I love me, and I accept me. Because sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't have a good concept of ourselves. Sometimes we don't have a good self-esteem. That's the one where God put his hand in our life and really changes something. You need to know God's truth, what is God's truth for your life, and you need to believe his truth, even when it doesn't feel true. Because God made you unique. When the enemy speaks to you about being unworthy, you need to speak back God's word for you. It is those times when you feel that you can't do it, that you are unqualified. That's one of the things that many times we feel in, in a lot of things in our life. I, I, might not, I'm not, I might not be the best at that or whatever. That's when we need God, uh, remember God's approval. And you know when Jesus was baptized, the Bible tells us that a voice was heard from heaven, and the voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I think Jesus needed to hear that voice of acceptance from the Father. And in the same way, I think we also need to hear that voice of acceptance from our Father. And he's telling you today, you are my beloved daughter in whom I am well pleased. You are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In, in the book of, uh, in, in Corinthians, in verse 9, it says, let us go back to that one. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, you are God's building. This is, this is something really impactful, I think, because an instrument, I would say, uh, the, the title is We Are God's Instrument. So an instrument is a tool or implement, especially one used for precision work, like a surgical instrument. So you are also God's fellow workers. So the, God, the way God made you, your characteristics, your personality, it's unique to do something in the work of God. We have intercessors. We have those who uh, love to work with children. We have those who like to do worship. We have those who have amazing voice to sing. We have those 
who like to serve. We have um, those who like to be in the background and, and support in any way they can. All of us are part of the kingdom of God, and all of those are useful for that. God also calls us God-filled and God-building. This is very important because it means that everything that we do, sowing the word of God doesn't only happen when you are preaching the gospel. Sowing the word of God also happens with your actions and with the things that you do, with, with the way you are. You know, it, it would be such a, an amazing thing if every time you preach the gospel, you see that person immediately commit to Christ, come to church, uh, and do the same with other, other people all the time. But that's not the way reality works. Sometimes you're sowing, and someone else is sowing, and someone else is sowing, and loads of people are sowing, and then maybe that person even leaves the country, and you never hear more about them. But at some point, that seed will give, uh, and someone else may be watering that, that seed, but at the end of the day, God will give the growth. And maybe, you know, I think in heaven, we will hear of many testimonies of many people who might come to you, and obviously, you won't remember them. They might come to you and say, thank you so much for the time that you spoke to me, and you did this for me, and, or maybe you just helped me move my house, and that was so important. Thank you for the time you, you lent me those boxes. Thank you for the time that you came and, and, and offered me a cup of coffee. Thank you for the time that all of these things that were seeds sown into their lives that got them closer to God. So do not think that you don't, you're not sowing or you're not doing the work of God outside of these four walls because you are. You're doing maybe a lot more out there than maybe you're doing here in church. And that's the way it should be because the people outside of these walls are the ones that need us. We need to be patient and loving and kind and show goodness to them. God is the master builder, and we are. The idea of this that, you know, is that God is the supreme agent of the, of the founding and establishing of the church and all the gifts and graces that he's given us. We put it to use in his work. And lastly, we need to recognize the time. In John chapter 4, in verse 34, Jesus says to the disciples, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I send you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into the labor. God is telling us the fields are ready. There are people that we are speaking or sharing the gospel with that someone else has already sown into their heart. And maybe this is the time, you know, I find that, that a lot of people, you know, London, especially London, it's a place where you can find anyone from the world. Have you ever met anyone from the Solomon, Solomon Islands? I have. I have. Here in London. <laughs> I didn't even know Solomon Islands existed. Yet I met someone here. Because people from all over the world come to London. And something you know, interesting that takes place in London is that you come to a new nation, to a new culture, 
and a mixed culture, I would say, here in London. And, and whatever your, your background from, whatever country you come from, something changes when you're here. And maybe you, leave, you let your guard down, and then you allow God to touch your heart. And I think that's what happens a lot here. So I encourage you, you know, those people who are even visiting the United Kingdom or London, since we are here, you know, share with them the gospel. And you can share the gospel, you know, like preaching the gospel. You can also share your gospel with your actions and with your serving and with your love and with you just the way you are. One of the things that should characterize us as, as children of God is our hospitality. That when you meet someone, they feel like, you know, they want to spend time with you because of your hospitality. Maybe, maybe you can't take them to your house, but wherever you are, that you are hospitable. You can, you can be hospitable. You don't need to, br to bring them over to your house. You can be hospitable in everything, in your actions, in your love, in everything that you do. God wants to use your life as you are. The fields are white for harvest, and Jesus is sending you to reap that for which you did not labor. That's, I think that's one of the best things I've heard uh, reading the Bible. You know, that someone else did the hard work for us to just read. But sometimes we have to also do the hard work. Sometimes, you know, uh, there are these spiritual babies that you need to encourage, spiritual babies that you need to maybe um, call and, and see how they're doing and just keep on encouraging and without ever expecting anything in return because you're, you do things, everything that you do, you do it unto the Lord. When we do things for a person, when we do things for a, a one individual and we expect them to show us gratitude and we expect them to be thankful to us, Something is not right there in our heart. Obviously, naturally, that's, you know, that's what you expect. But as, as God's instrument, you just do it for the joy of being a co-worker with God. So you're not doing it on your own. You are co-working, co-laboring with God. You are part of his laborers. And, and I think that brings a joy. And I think, really, to see, to see someone come to the Lord, to see their lives change and transform, that is the one joy that no one can take it away from you. When you share the gospel to one person and you see how God begins to do the growth, the maturity into their lives, that really changes something in our heart and makes us feel like, Lord, thank you. And sometimes you saw, again, you saw, and uh, maybe you see the persons leave, maybe they go somewhere else, but there is joy because you know that something was thrown into the heart. Now, what should be our response as God's instrument? First of all, you, you need to acknowledge that you are God's instrument. Second, you need to know and, and be guided by the Spirit. You know, what, how does God want to use you in this time? And you're never too young and you're never too old to be a servant of the Lord. You never, or you're, you know, the only argument that you can put is your, the only person that can stop you from serving the Lord is yourself. So don't let the enemy deceive you and speak lies into your mind that you're too young or you're too old or not fully equipped or not ready yet. You're ready because God called you. You are his co-workers. Let us remember 
that God has put in us gives and that his grace will help us go through anything. It is the gift of God in our lives, not us, the gift of God, the Holy Spirit that works in our lives. Amen? Amen. So let us, let us pray and let us ask the Lord, Lord, how do you want to use us this time in this, in this season of our life? Heavenly Father, thank you for today, Lord. Father, thank you for your word that penetrates to the depths of our hearts, Lord. Father, we, uh, we come humbly before you, Lord, knowing, Father, that there are maybe insecurities inside of us and things that either ourselves or, or, or the enemy has spoken against us, Lord, that we feel not ready, that we don't feel um, even accepted sometimes, Lord. But, Father, before, before you, we lay all of this, Lord, and we ask you, Father, that your love, that your presence, Lord, will come into the depths of our hearts and change those insecurities by your love, Lord. Your love casts out all fear. And today I pray, Father, that all fear may be cast out from our lives, Lord. Father, we are your instruments. Lord, you made us this way because you have a purpose with us, Lord. Whether we are loud or quiet, whether we are outspoken or reserved, Father, you made us for a purpose and a reason, Lord. And I pray that today each one of the people who are here listening and are online, Father, will come to understand, Father, that you created us unique and special, Lord, that we are your masterpiece, Lord. And because we are your children, Lord, we are also part of uh, uh, your co-workers and laborers with you, Lord. We are your field. We are your temple, Lord. And because we are your temple, Lord, we can do mighty things in your name. Father, I pray, Lord, that you will increase our faith, Lord, so that we can believe for those greater things that you've called us to be and to do, Lord. Father, greater work than that that Jesus did is what you've called us to do. So we pray right now that you will increase our faith, Lord, that we will see ourselves the way you see us, Lord. And today, Father, I pray that an anointing from your Holy Spirit will fill us up, Lord, that we will leave this place knowing, Father, that we have a calling, that we have a purpose, and we are unique and loved by you, Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time. Father, may you continue to minister into our hearts as we worship you, as we praise you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.